0: Father, we come before you just as your servants, recognizing that you are God in heaven, you are the mighty one, the one who flung out the stars in the heavens with your fingers, the one who sustains us, the one who provides everything that we need, the, way, the one who gives us the way, the truth, and the life, which is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is the gate to the sheepfold. He is the only door with, through whom we can pass to get to heaven. We ask that you would help us to cherish that and not only to accept it, but to disseminate that information to those who need it. We ask that you would bless Tom as he continues to work with the Marines and the recruits uh, that come in at MCRD and the other men who are involved with that. We ask for a blessing upon the... Uh, people in the armed services both active and inactive that you would bless them and let them know how much we appreciate and how much they are loved by us and we ask lord that you would strengthen us in this country uh, strengthen our resolve to do what is right and to stand up for it without being apologetic we understand that that may bring persecution lord but you are persecuted so help us to follow your example as we get into your word this morning In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we left off in the book of John, 1 John. In chapter 2, we were in verse 18. Now, again, just by way of illustration, when we open up the Bible, we want to make sure that we put it into practice, that we actually install it into part of our daily lives and our activities. The things that it asks us to do, we need to install them. If we simply are hearers of the word and not doers of the word, it doesn't benefit us whatsoever. Now there's a little story, a little vignette of a couple that never put it into practice. And what happened at this little church As an elderly man was sitting there, his wife wasn't there, but an elderly man was sitting there and Satan showed up in the church. And when he showed up, everybody started screaming and crawling for the doors and just in a vehement rush, tried to get out of the church, except for this one old man. He sat there with a content look on his face, folding his arms. Satan walked up to him and said, Do you know who I am? And the old man said, Yep, sure do. And he goes, "Aren't you going to run, screaming and hollering out the doors?" He goes, "Nope, ain't gonna do it." Satan said, "Why not?" He goes, "Cause I've been married to your sister for 48 years." So obviously this man never put scripture into practice on loving his wife and his wife never put into practice the idea of loving and submitting to her husband. And so if you simply come to church and you don't put this stuff into practice, it really is not going to affect you at all. And so I would ask you guys, when you go through the scriptures here and you gain that understanding, you want to tuck that understanding away and ask God for the opportunity to disseminate it to others so that they may benefit from what you have gained as far as knowledge is concerned. Now, we talked about it being the last hour in verse 18, and we talked about the Antichrist who was coming in the abomination of desolation. And we also mentioned, but didn't get into, the abundance of Antichrist. In First John chapter 18, it says, Even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Now, there are characteristics of this antichrist or antichrists which are out there, and we'll get into those in a minute. But verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. And so, in context, what he's talking about is there were people inside the church, people that probably named the name of Christ at some point. And they have left the church. They are now outside of the church and they are preaching against and teaching against the gospel and salvation. And John was trying to quiet the people he was writing to saying, don't worry about this. If they were never going to remain, if they were never a part of you, or excuse me, if they left and were a part of you, that means they were never really a part of you. What that states is, Somebody can be in the church for a long time and chances are these were leaders in the church and they decided to leave and then they decided to start preaching against the word. We've had people do that in this church where they've been here. We had one uh, guy, he was here for years and he was part of the leadership and he left and he made a website talking about how Christ is not the answer and salvation through the christian teaching of the bible is not the way and i spent several months and i've told you this before where a couple of these guys that have done this god would put me in their path we just show up you know how you turn a uh, into an aisle in a store and all of a sudden they're right in front of you you know, it's a, hello, oh, it's good to see you. And then you have a conversation. And and so we have done that. One person has kind of turned back but is not back in the church. Another person, two or three people have just walked away completely saying the Christian God is not the way. Now, I think there's plenty of evidence to prove that he is uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, like we'd say in our courtrooms But this idea that there are people that would even serve in leadership that would go away and denounce Christ and denounce the church and say that is not the way it was prevalent back then and it will also be prevalent today. And we should not be shaken by that whatsoever. Now, with these people who were, uh, they did not have the anointing that comes with belonging to christ there are those who do have the anointing verse 20 says but you have an anointing from the holy one and all of you know the truth i do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth and so there is this quote unquote according to scripture an anointing that falls upon those who believe now i talked about this in home fellowship a couple of weeks ago and What I discussed with the people who were there was there are going to be people who are antagonistic towards the faith, and I happened to look up several websites uh, that would deal with the Bible and contradictions in the Bible, and they attempt to discredit the Bible. And this one particular website, and I gave it to the people at the uh, Home Bible Study. He starts in the book of Genesis, and he goes through every book of the Bible, and he puts up there what he thinks are contradictions in the scripture. And I took people through a couple of them that were in there, seeming contradictions. And I answered, you know, I was able to do it by myself on my own. I went through and I just started scrolling through and I found 10 quickly, 10 errors in their reasoning because they did not have understanding of the scriptures. They didn't really know what was being said because this individual didn't have, quote unquote, the anointing. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is if somebody who is unsaved picks up the Bible and tries to understand what is written in the scriptures, it's hidden unless they have the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that illuminates what is there we have those aha moments when we read the scripture as a believer. As an unbeliever, we read it through the spectacles of skepticism. We go, Oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. For example, there is this one uh, train of thought out there. It's called the documentary hypothesis. It's been out there, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. And it tries to discount the veracity or the truthfulness of the Bible. And, immediately what they do in this documentary hypothesis is they say that there are no such things as miracles miracles do not happen and they deny the miraculous even though we have attestation to that we have evidence that there were in fact miracles that have taken place these people, they just say, no, that's not true. They say, well, Isaiah has three authors at least and there's no way that Isaiah could have written that and there's no way that Moses could have written everything, the five books of the Old Testament, first five books. And so they just go into a long litany of reasons why not to believe in Scripture. And as you read the documentary hypothesis, you see that they're denying things that are right in front of you that they cannot see I've told you before that during biblical counsel or pastoral care, bring people in and we instruct them what Scripture has to say. And sometimes there's just a blank stare. Even with sometimes with believers, there's a blank stare. They don't understand what you said. They hop right out of the the hole you had them in to try to corner them to get them to see the truth. And they just, they go off on a tangent. They didn't even hear it. They didn't receive the counsel. It's not spiritually discerned. And God says to us, there is this anointing. If you're a believer, you've got it. You can understand the spiritual truths which are in scripture. If you're not a believer, you don't have that. You're completely lost. You cannot get the understanding that God wants you to have. Now, if you've never heard this before it's like well, I can't read what's right in front of me and understand it No, there's always a deeper truth scripture is like mining to get an ounce of gold they say you have to move a ton of dirt now a ton of dirt is three feet which is about this big three feet by three feet by three feet to get an ounce of gold. That's what they say usually you have to move. That's an average that's out there. Some veins have more, some have less. But they say you have to move a ton of dirt to get an ounce of gold. The same thing applies to Scripture. You read and read and read, and then you have to go back and read again, because what did I just read? I can't remember what I just read. And you have to dig it a little more, and then you find something that catches your eye, and then you have to dig into that one word or that one little phrase, like what does that mean? For instance, we're going to get into it, hopefully, today. If we don't get into it today, we're going to get into it next week. Do you know that if you are a believer, you will cease to practice sin, according to First John chapter 3? Do you know that Scripture says you cannot sin? Now, if you believe that, there's something wrong. Because there's more information behind it. You have to be able to take it in context. Now, somebody who is against the Bible would say, every Christian I know is a complete sinner. I will admit to that. I am a complete sinner, and every Christian that I know is a complete sinner. I'm sorry to indict you guys but that's just the way it is. Everybody is a complete sinner. But First John 3 says, you cannot sin and you will cease to practice sin. And so there's something more to it. And we're going to discover what that is. But we need the Holy Spirit in order to be enlightened. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so we cannot understand God's will without his Holy Spirit. Now this idea of the Antichrist digressing a little bit. In first John chapter four, we'd be jumping ahead here. In verse three it says, But every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus acknowledged Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Now we also know that John was reminding them of this this truth. Scripture is something for us that if we go through it over and over and over, we're not going to learn anything new necessarily. We can, you know, as you spend years and decades in it. But you're going to be reminded more of the time. Now, how many times over the last 20, I'm thinking how many years, 24 years, do you think I have said Romans 10, 9, and 10? Hundreds, I have said it hundreds of times. And when you hear it, it's kind of like all started. That if you confess with your mouth. You see, you can repeat it, right? You've heard it so many times. You probably didn't go actively and say, I'm going to memorize this. You've heard me say it so many times. It's just like second nature. And it's good to be reminded of that. So when you go out, and I don't want to say you're going to parrot that. But you're going to have the understanding once you've heard it so many times. So most of scripture that we go through, we're supposed to be reminded. And so when you're sitting in a church service or wherever you go, and you hear somebody give scriptures, and you go, yeah, I can, I can repeat that again. How many times have you heard the gospel given? So many times. I give the gospel so many times. And, and like an um, evangelist like Greg Laurie, how many times do you think Greg Laurie has given an invitation thousands of times probably. He's given that invitation. And as a mature Christian, you're going, okay, here's where the salvation call comes. My pastor, uh, Dave Riley, he grew up in the uh, Salvation Army and his dad was a colonel. And I remember going to the uh, funeral service of his dad and and Dave would start telling us stories. He would take the elders, and he would he would take us away for a weekend, and we'd go down to the town and country, and he'd tell us stories of things that would go on. And him and his buddies, and Donna, his wife, was with them. They would sit in the back of the Salvation Army Church before, I think it was before they were married. They were just dating. And they would be in the back of the church, and they would do a salvation call every single service. And sometimes it was just the people, depending on the service, the people that were already attending there, and they would not stop the call until somebody came forward. And so they'd be sitting in the back, and they'd turn to each other and go, it's your turn. (laughs) And so they would get up, and they would come for, okay, yeah, I accept Jesus Christ, and that's my pastor who used to do stuff like that. You know, so you hear things over and over and over, and... Sometimes we get bored, right? I, I know I'm easily bored. And so I look to scripture and I see, well, God wants to remind me over and over and over of these truths. He doesn't want me to forget them. Romans fifteen, fifteen Paul is writing here I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again 1st Corinthians 15:1 Now brothers I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you Jude chapter 1 verse 5 though I you already know all this I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt and so it's this idea of repetition the athletes they have a uh, regimen of a diet and a workout right Now, Mr. Phelps, who would eat, how many calories? 6,000 to 10,000? It's way up there, per day. You know, he was just waffles stacked high and pancakes, and he would just eat all kinds of stuff, and that was his regular diet. And, of course, Olympic swimmer, you know, he's going to be burning up all kinds of calories which are out there, but it was the same regimen every single day. Now, if you're doing the same thing every single day, you're probably going to get good at it. What about a carpenter? Can a carpenter hit a nail right on its head and drive it in in one strike? Yeah. And then we take people down to Mexico and they try it. <laughs> Is Mario here today? No. We saw you guys saw the picture of that where he goes, watch this. And everybody turned and looked at him and he had one nail. He tapped it and he goes, watch this and he slammed down and the hammer went through the wood you know it, it missed the nail completely but a carpenter he has that hand eye coordination because of repeated use that thing is just like an extension of his hand or his arm and he can swing it just like it's part of his fingers right that's what we're supposed to be like as Christians and so when you hear something over and over you don't have to okay here we go again you know you don't have to do that you can say okay let's see if I can repeat this to myself over again do i understand this particular doctrine do i understand this verse and that's what we want to do we want to be like an athlete or a tradesman and we want to make sure we have our doctrines down and we do this for the sake of correcting error When you hear error, you want to be able to stand up like somebody who's an apostate, somebody who goes out from the church. If they start teaching something that is not correct, you're able to stand up and defend what is correct doctrine. If you don't have this information underneath your belt, they will go out there and people will be led astray by it. And it's our job to stand for the truth. And there are all kinds of false doctrines that come in and permeate the church. Back in the 80s, it was the Toronto blessing. There's the health, wealth, and prosperity doctrine out there. That God doesn't want anybody to be poor. I saw Fred Price on the television saying, I have a Rolls Royce because God wants me to have a Rolls Royce. And it's just, you know, and I told you about the jet, the $300,000, or I think I mentioned that in Home Bible Study. Creflo Dollar wanted... uh, how. He wanted each one of his online partners, 300 of them, to give, what, $1,000? Something like that. So he could have his private jet to take the gospel around the world. And it's like, come on, what are you doing? That's not what Christ calls us to do. Fly coach. Why do you need to have your own private jet? And then there's this idea of universalism. Even amongst the Christian church, there's probably some of you who believe this. That everybody is going to heaven. That God would never send somebody to hell after all he condemned us in this world full of sin he knew we were going to sin so it's his fault and they have this doctrine wrong it's completely wrong and we need to be able to correct it they will also say things like well god created evil he created everything therefore he created evil and so he's the one to blame and that's why everybody gets saved that is false god did not create evil Uh, just a little side note on this to explain what evil is Imagine a tree. Now, if you go out, right out these doors, across the way, there are some. I think it's called a Sheenus terebinthifolius is what it's called. Yeah, right? You got it. Now you go, what is that? That is a California pepper tree. They're everywhere. But the ones right over here, they have, if I remember correctly, they have some holes on the inside. How did those holes get there? It's from rot. Did somebody go... Okay, I'm going to pull up my suitcase, and I'm going to put this hole right there. They didn't do that. What happened was, and, and the, the technical term for it is called a privation, which means God created the tree, but God did not create the rot. The rot is the absence of the tree. And so when Satan fell, he became like that rot. God did not create anything that was bad or evil. God created only that which was good. And because of that, like the rot in the tree when Satan fell, he became like that void. And so that's what evil is. Evil is incorrectly thought of as a thing. It is not a thing because God created everything. God did not create a void. God created everything and so that's this idea of evil and we need to be able to stand against it and discuss really what it is there's this idea of uh, psychologizing the faith instead of taking the bible literally what it says for the truth that is there we have a tendency to embellish it and say well it means this or it means that and and we don't want to do that or we call jesus Uh, There are two Jesuses. There's one Jesus of the Bible and there's one Jesus of history. And the Jesus of history is not the same as the Jesus of the Bible. And they dilute the deity of Jesus Christ and his atonement. And so there are all these false doctrines which are out there that we have to be able to attack. And some of these doctrines come from people who are inside the church who have left the church. And so we want to make sure we stand up against what we know as apostates or the spirit of Antichrist. Now, one of the characteristics of these Antichrists in verse 22 of First John, it says, who is a liar? So number one, somebody who is of the spirit of Antichrist is a liar. They are lying. And when you lie, let me ask you, when you lie, do you know it? Now, if you're just misinformed, that's one thing, but you believe it even when you're misinformed, if you're just misinformed. But when you lie, you know you're lying. And so those people who come out who are of the spirit of Antichrist, they will tell you something which they proclaim as truth, but they know they're lying. And, you know, you could get real bombastic and finger in your face and say, you know you're lying. Well, of course they know they're lying when they're giving you a false doctrine. They intend to mislead you because they are of the spirit of Antichrist. Who is a liar? Verse 22, it is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. So that's the second thing. He denies Jesus is the Messiah. Now, there's a big world religion that believes Jesus is a prophet, but that he is not the Messiah. Do you know what that world religion is? islam islam teaches that jesus was a prophet and they teach that he didn't die they only thought he only thought he died but he didn't really die you know so that's a false doctrine which is there too and it's completely set in opposition to the bible so they deny that jesus is the christ that is the spirit of antichrist also they deny the father verse 23 no one who denies the son has the father whoever acknowledges the son has the father as well so There is this denial of the Father, there's denial that Jesus is the Christ, and they are liars. The fourth point we can make is that somebody who is having the attributes displayed of the Antichrist or an apostate denies the incarnation. 2 John chapter 1 verse 7 says, many deceivers who did not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. And you know, that was the first heresy inside the church that Jesus was not human, that he did not have a physical body because that which is good cannot become evil, therefore he could not have a physical body. And so that was the first Gnostic heresy that they had to put down inside the church. And now some people would say if you went up to them and told them Jesus, who was God, became a human being and dwelt with us and still has that human form, if they say, no, he didn't, and no, he doesn't then they're of the spirit of antichrist is who they are going on he deceives second john 1 7 second half any such person is a deceiver in an antichrist now that goes with the one who lies the one who lies intends to deceive sixth do not follow they do not follow or receive the apostles teaching so if you were talking about baptism, the resurrection of the dead, spiritual gifts, all of those things, those are, if you if they deny those things, they are of the spirit of Antichrist. Now, does that spirit creep in even to the Christian church? Absolutely, it does. And the reason it creeps in is because we don't take advantage of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying something weird. I'm not saying, there are some churches that would say, on, for instance, the Toronto Blessing. The Toronto Blessing, what they would do is they would have laughing in the spirit. Now, this is several decades ago, but uh, Rodney Howard Brown would say, let it bubble out your belly. And when people would come along and say, this is weird, this is... Of the occult, or or it's similar to things in the occult, and they would prance around on stage and they would roar like a lion, actually get on all fours. There was one woman that I saw a video of, she did this, just going back and forth on the stage, roaring like a lion and having her teeth bared, and you know, and it's like that's church service. And if you see something like that going on in church service, mimicking animals, that's occultish practices. That is a false doctrine. Now, do I believe that some of those people were saved? Probably, yeah, I would say so, but they are greatly deceived. And the Bible encourages us not to be deceived on several points, it tells us. You know, the lifestyle we live, do not be deceived. Those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we are supposed to have this stuff down solid. John is writing this to us so that we know who antichrists are, who apostates are, so that we can correct the false doctrines, so that we can protect those who don't know. If you are a brand new believer... And you see some of this stuff going on. You know, the first time I went to um, a church, it was in East County. Uh, They, right after I got saved, somebody took me there because I didn't really know church. You know, I was in church as a young kid, but I went there and everybody spoke at tongues at the same time. They actually had a structured venue where they would encourage people to pray out loud, everyone. And then they would encourage you, if you had a prayer language, the gift of tongues, to pray pray in the gift of tongues. And I was there, I went a couple of times by myself and I just stood there and they started doing this and I go, this is weird. This is really weird. And then I learned later, you're not supposed to do that in scripture. And so maybe it's a gift, but they're certainly deceived as far as the doctrine is concerned. And for all other aspects, it was a great church. And so we want to make sure we're doing exactly what scripture says and we don't get off in that doctrine we are so easily deceived even inside the church but we need particularly to pay attention to those outside who are perverting the doctrine of Jesus Christ now verse 24 it says see that you have or, excuse me see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you if it does you also will remain in the son and in the father and this is an encouragement to persevere now perseverance perseverance means that we are supposed to stick with the program. Imagine you are on a football team, a good football team, and all the footballs are inflated properly. <clears throat> and you guys are fit. You guys are on the line. You are doing exactly what you're supposed to. You show up to all practices except for one linebacker. Just can't seem to get there on time. Now, what does a football club do to the one linebacker who doesn't make it to practice? Fine them, discipline them, you'd better be here. If you're not here, you're not playing, you know, type of thing. They are tough on those guys, and they are expected to act accordingly. If they're paying them millions of dollars, you better be there. Now, how much are you getting paid to be a Christian? Yeah, see, see, we got to turn around our thinking. We get everything, not just a million dollars. We get eternal life. We get to sit on the throne with Jesus Christ, rule and reign with him. We get all of eternity. We get everything, right? And sometimes we act like that linebacker. Uh, I'm tired on this gloomy May day. I'm, You know, I'm going to sleep in that church. You know, I can wait. I mean, are you really committed? And I mean committed like... Nothing is going to stop me. And if you're late for the beginning of service, when the worship stops, do you get all anxious? I gotta get there. Or are you going, whatever. You know, it's just a song or two. Yeah, whatever. I got to hang out for a little. Let me get a donut and a cup of coffee first before I go in there. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying this in order to just heap condemnation on you. That's not the point. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Where's that said? Anybody know? Ro- yes? Go ahead. Uh, three, seven, eight. eight. <laughs> Romans 8 1 says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you know, even when I read the scripture and I prepare for the messages, I read it and I go, Oh, oh, that's all. Oh, stop. That's me. Oh, it hurts. You know, I get this guilt thing going. I go, God, I'm so sorry. You know, okay, (sighs) I'm going to try to do better. And I pant and breathe a little harder. (laughs) Okay. All right, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My job is to point these things out, and you should experience the same thing. Like, oh, oh, stop it. You're hurting me. But it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit that does it. It's his word that doesn't return void. When I point out what his word says, that we're supposed to be committed, we're supposed to be in there, we're persevering in the faith, we're going to do what is required, we're going to be sacrificial, all that stuff. And one day you go, nah, I'm not going to do that. Well, that's just the flesh. It's a call to persevere. It's a call to just stick with it. Again, verse 24, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And it's talking about specifically the knowledge of God and everything involved in that. It translates into love which works itself out in deeds. That's how it happens. And so we have this encouragement. Verse 25, verse 25. It says, "And this is what he promised, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And there are examples of this in Second Timothy 3:8, Janice and Jambres, and also Second Timothy chapter four, verse 14, Alexander, the metal worker who was there. And so there are always going to be people who are going to try to take you away, especially the televangelists, if you are not adept in handling doctrine careful who you watch on television some of the most popular preachers are preaching some of the doctrines of demons which are out there and you have to be very very careful they're some of the most encouraging people if i want to get encouragement i might listen to the individual to get encouragement but some of the doctrines are completely false and lead people away and people they lead people away take all these people and get them indoctrinated into the false doctrine they're like sheep stealing so to speak they're taking them away from what solid good proper righteous doctrine is and getting them into this realm where they're being deceived And so if we are equipped for this, we will not be drug away with them. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So he makes this appeal to the truth. Verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. This idea of being unashamed is we're not persevering. We're not sticking with the program. We're not endeavoring to be that disciple. And so when he shows up, it's like a boss showing up. If you spent all day in an office playing solitaire and you were supposed to be working at a particular doctrine, you know, it's like, well, come on. We want to make sure that we are persevering and doing what we 're supposed to, so we don 't have to be ashamed at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. so the final question is and we 're not going to get into the sin thing we 'll get into that next week about you not committing sin anymore or not capable of committing sin we 're going to discuss that and enlighten that next week it is a little bit tricky but do you know him do you know the right way are you doing the right things if you are doing those right things you're abiding in him you have great assurance that you're saved if you're not doing the right things and you're not abiding in Him, if you're just a CEO Christian, and I don't believe any of you to be a CEO Christian because it's Christmas and Easter only that is a CEO Christian, but are you just a once a monther? you know, or in Bible study, do you do all that? Now, at this point, you're going, you have said this so many times. I have said that so many times. I just want to encourage you guys. Jesus did so much for us, and He just asked us, to be participants with him that's all he asks he doesn't force us he doesn't come down with his giant thumb and squish you when you're not doing what you're supposed to god's grace and mercy is abundant even when you sin when sin abounds grace does much more abound so that's who we serve with the end of this chapter here you need to just abide in him You need to just continue with the program. You need to persevere like the athlete or the tradesman. And if you do that, you will become aware of who the apostates are and where the spirit of Antichrist is and what is going on in the world. You will immediately recognize it. Without being deceived. And this is my prayer for you that the Lord would give you insight, that His Holy Spirit would provide the anointing that is necessary to live a godly and righteous life, that you'd be able to stand up against evil and wickedness in the world and proclaim it without fear. And when you get persecuted for doing so, may you be encouraged that there have been millions going before you that have actually given their lives for this cause. May God prepare you for what lies ahead. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your blessing on this word that you have given to us we know that it is full of wisdom and as we glean the knowledge we pray that we would know how to use it how to wield it how to help those who are lost and dying just as you did for us Father we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and if anyone in here is struggling Lord with persevering in the faith I pray that we could all be an encouragement to them that we all might be a hundredfold producer, that we might deny ourselves and live for you because of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.